today's episode, we're discussing some of our favorite board games to play with our kids, how we find out about games, and what we look for in a great board game. Hey everyone, welcome to the Papa Fatsi Game Podcast, the podcast for dads by dads. When Jim and I started this podcast, we wanted it to be a reflection of the kinds of conversations that we were actually having. But as we started brainstorming ideas for the podcast topics, I had a very specific parent in mind to talk about games and board games and game night. So today I'm really excited to have Tim filling in for Jim. And before we get into our discussion, here's my deal. I'm Dave. I have a seven-year-old girl and a four-year-old boy. And I'm Tim, and I have a seven-year-old daughter who is pretty good friends with Dave's daughter. So that's how we know each other. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so in preparing for this podcast, we came across a fun survey from Wakefield Research. They found that 76% of families wish they spent more time together. 61% of families admit to having a hard time disconnecting from tech devices. 91% of families who play games together say it has a positive impact on their mood. And 96% of families who play games together say they feel closer. And what was interesting is we also found this research about the fact that playing games can actually lead to positive behavioral modifications. So in a study that was done in the UK, these researchers created um, a board game that had these positive messages around fruit and vegetables. And the children who played that game increased their real life fruit and vegetable intake versus the control group. So really cool outcome. And uh, now that I think about it, it would be great if I could get my hands on that game. Right. Uh, so, you know, Tim, we've talked a lot about games in the past and, and we had a game night sort of pre-COVID. And, you know, you and I, we've mostly talked about the kinds of games we like to play and the kinds of games we want to introduce to our kids. But I don't think we ever really discussed, you know, sort of the value of games for us and why we think it's important for our families. And so I'm just, uh, I'd like to hear a little bit more about what you think. Well, you know, that's kind of a loaded question. It's more than it may seem on its surface, even, you know, as far as the importance of tabletop and board games. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say that is because I think in this time where digital gaming predominates, I believe it's important to share something from my own real world childhood experiences mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. my daughter, mm -hmm. you know, because you and I were, I think we're both from generation X. I'm a digital immigrant. So that means I enjoyed the benefit of growing up in the late 70s and the early 80s, like right on the cusp of the video game era. Mm -hmm. So that gave me about three years or so of uninterrupted tabletop game enjoyment, <laughs> you know, before <laughs> arcade games and home entertainment systems mm -hmm. like Atari, Nintendo, yeah. Sega, PlayStation, where they came on the scene and just took over. Mm -hmm. Right. So I was able to get introduced to games like Life, Stratego, Othello, Battleship, Trivial Pursuit, Monopoly, Scrabble, you know, all of those. And all those experiences of playing those games with my family and friends, they've stayed with me just as much as my first experiences playing Defender or Asteroids at the arcade. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to keep that tradition going on in my own household and show my daughter, who's a digital native, that there is still value and meaning to be derived from this type of tactile strategic gameplay that can be had on a table with dice or cards or meeples or whatever. I like what you said about that, the sort of tactile piece. I, I hadn't, well, for, start, for starters, I actually hadn't thought about this as we were preparing for the podcast and as mm -hmm. I was thinking about my sort of own experience, I had a, sort of completely blown past the fact that we actually had game nights at my house. 
And yeah. I do remember those fondly and, you know, puzzles and things like that. And even actually once we were older and I lived, you know, I had kind of come back from college, you know, I'd still go over to my parents occasionally. We'd have board game nights and, um, yeah, you know, there's that sort of tactile piece. It's funny. So I have recently cracked out all of my old records, the storybook records, like Batman, Superman. And yeah. so the kids, my son, who's four, he can now pick out a record and he can put it on the record player and play it himself. It's that, you know, sort of that back to basics point that you bring up, that tactile feel, that interaction that you don't have. And especially now, like, you know, if he wants to listen to something, he has to ask me to, you know, find it on the computer and then, you know, play the MP3. It's very different experience. And I I like what you say about that sort of there's something visceral about yeah. having those pieces in your hand that you can interact with and see them moving across the board. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that that's something that um, this, you know, the younger generations are also starting to pick up on that there is a kind of a, a missing element. Um, there's just something that video games and, and, you know, digital, you know, kind of that, that world can't replace. Mm -hmm. And they're actually even pre COVID, there was a bit of a board game renaissance going on where new board game companies were starting to emerge new tabletop games were coming out and, and, you know, there was actually, there's an industry in this. And I think that probably the COVID uh, situation has just made that even more the case, which I, I think is, it's not a bad thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Especially with the loss of retailers like Toys R Us, right. That had the uh -huh. shelves of, of games. And so now all of that has shifted really down towards more of the local event. I mean, yes, you can certainly go into target, but they're only going to be, sort of the top selling board games that everybody knows. And there's only so much space for the the Hasbros and the Milton Bradleys of the worlds when there are all these great independent game companies that you're never going to see in a place like Target, unfortunately. So yeah, it's, right. it's nice to kind of, you know, we, we, we talk about all the negatives, obviously, and there are a ton of them with COVID and everything. But yeah, there <laughs> occasionally there are these really few bright spots, right? Like how it's basically impossible to find a new bicycle anymore because they're all sold out as right. everyone's going out and riding bikes. So yeah, it's, it's, I, I think, That's yeah, true. I mean, the, the point, right. Is yeah. I mean, I think we're all sort of getting back to basics as, mm -hmm. as you know, we've sort of been locked down and, and certainly in those first few months at the beginning of the pandemic where, yeah. you know, it, what it, no one was sure if it was even safe to see anybody or go out or, you know, mm -hmm. touch anything or, and so right. yeah, sort of getting back in our cocoons and, and, you know, hopefully the renaissance sticks around beyond the yeah. next you know, few months here. I would say that, you know, beyond tabletop games, I think jigsaw puzzles, I imagine I'd love to see mm -hmm. the numbers on that. Yeah. <laughs> in the, terms the, of yeah. Just like the increase in sales, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, another thing in terms of the importance of board games or tabletop games is, you know, I find that there's um, opportunities for bonding that come during and even before and after the gameplay, right? Um, for instance, just deciding together which game we want to play mm -hmm. or setting up the board, um, reacquainting ourselves with the rules of the game if we haven't played it in a while, you know, <laughs> or um, discussing the memorable moments of gameplay as well as the mm -hmm. outcomes that at the end of a game, you know, maybe my daughter or my wife expressing where they may have succeeded and won the game or where they may have, where they think that they just lost, just lost it and, and mm -hmm. threw the game away, you know, um, all these things go on, you know, kind of sometimes while you're just putting the game pieces away, 
And sometimes mm-hmm. I find that those little moments can be more meaningful than who actually won the game in the end. Yeah. So when I was doing the research for this podcast, you know, I was looking up all the stuff about, you know, are there cognitive benefits of playing games mm-hmm. and this? And the, the research is a little mixed, but some of the things that have been sort of clear about if you want to get into the cognitive benefits is that oftentimes the benefit is actually not in playing the game. It is in the learning that you get from having played the game. Exactly what you talk about, right? So I tried this strategy. It didn't work. How am I going to think about this differently next time? Or, you know, hey, what did you do? How did I, how did you beat me? You know, it's it's sort of the, right. the learning from it, which I certainly, we don't do a lot. And it sounds like you definitely, it just kind of comes up as you guys are doing it. And that is, that was sort of eye-opening to me, mm-hmm. um, you know, because that is, yeah, it's it's sort of the, the feedback loop is not yeah. there if you just sort of play the game and then you're done and you put it away, which is, I think, how most people play or it. You, certainly, there's a lot of the way we do it. Um, or you're spending so, too much time gloating, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, just, they can get lost. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I, I think that's so interesting and, and, and great that you guys, like, that's just sort of something that happens as you are going through the process. It's, it's something that I'll have to think about, you know, is there some way of, of fostering that, you know, when the game's over, hey, you know, if you won, how do you, you know, why do you think you won? If you lost, why do you think you lost? And, and kind of going through that. You know, I, I think I actually inherited that, um, which kind of speaks again to the importance of it. Um, mm-hmm. Cause it does carry a legacy, at least mm-hmm. for me, you know, uh, playing tabletop games. Like in my case, my dad, he was an avid chess player mm-hmm. and he taught me how to play at a very young age. Mm-hmm. And we pretty much carry on that tradition from my youth all the way through my adulthood. Mm-hmm. And there were lots of teaching moments during mm-hmm. those times that we would play over the years between my dad and me. Mm-hmm. And that certainly held a special place in our relationship throughout the years of our life. Um, and I only recall <laughs> being able to beat him once before he passed away like 10 years ago mm-hmm. and before my daughter was even born. And I can't help feeling even then like he let me win. <laughs> um, <laughs> and now her and I play chess mm-hmm. in that same way. And it definitely feels like a carrying of the torch, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's I think, another important thing. It's like just uh, something that you want to pass on. And I think that's where, again, we being Generation X, we're unique because we are able to experience this kind of pre-digital um world a little bit the analog world so to speak before Mm -hmm. being fully immersed in in what we live in today yeah you know for me i I think the gaming or i guess the reason that i'm interested in gaming is i think Mm -hmm. that like a lot of the people who answered that survey you know it's just it's hard to find time and so i sort of use that as an excuse to sort of dedicate time to the kids right if you're gonna whip out a board game, it's pretty tough to be doing other things. I mean, you sort of can, but it does sort of focus you on the activity and the interaction that you have. And so it might not all be about the game, right? You might be playing the game and then you just go into these conversations about how's school going or, you know, what are you reading or what are you doing? And it, it allows for that sort of natural flow of conversation. And, you know, getting back to one of the things you said earlier, it's that that shared experience, right? And those are all the things that we remember, you know, 20 years from now with maybe a few exceptions, you don't remember who won or lost the games, but you remember the time that you spent together playing those games or making those puzzles and, and doing that stuff. Oh, I and remember. so I, 
Well, yes, you, you certainly, <laughs> you certainly do. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think that it, it's that shared experience, right? And, and it, it, it's, it's about the relationship that you're building with that person and the game is sort of the vehicle to strengthen that relationship and, and, and just sort of make it a, a slightly different relationship than you might be used to, right? Like you might have similar style conversations at the dinner table or walking your child to school. But I don't know, the game just, it's its just sort of a different interaction style, I think, uh, as you're having those conversations. And I've always felt too yes, that for sure. one of the benefits for us in, in the, the kind of the games that I look for is I always like games that have some level of reinforcing the kinds of learnings that you're doing. So it could simply be reading. So right now, um, uh, our daughter is trying, we're working on Scattergories, which is kind of interesting, right? Because, so, I mean, so... Again, she's seven, so her reading's, you know, pretty good. But, you know, if you really, if you just set that timer and then she has to read them out and then think through that, like, that's not going to happen. So the, the little thing that I let her do is read it in advance. But even still, sometimes, you you know, you roll a, an L and you're like, I'm not sure what to do or a V or a W. Right. But it, I think it makes her sort of think through all of these combinations and these sounds. Uh, and then certainly there are a lot of games, that, you know, you and I have talked about even just earlier uh, last year about some of the games that reinforce math skills where the mechanism is, it's a math mechanism. And, you know, two years ago when I introduced these games to her, I was doing all the math and then she'd say, well, how many points do I have? And now I'm like, okay, it's your turn to add these up. I'm not doing this anymore. You're keeping score. And so it's just kind of a fun way to reinforce some of that learning without her realizing that she's, she's doing this stuff. And, and I always felt that games are a nice avenue to do that it is sort of a natural avenue and and sort of philosophically that's how i view games and so we're we're starting to look a little bit like you know a small game store where it's just starting to stack up which is which is funny i i enjoy it we're trying to find more space um but yeah i mean there's always there's always another game that i want to get right yeah no i i feel you the games the games that are that are coming out now are just so beautiful um, yeah. just the way they're designed and just there's so much care put into these games, mm -hmm. but going back to your point about just how we use, can use games to help children in their learning. Uh, it's funny because I don't think we ever really outgrow that. When you mm -hmm. think about how we use gamification in everything, because it, it's, it's just been found that it, it makes it a more pleasant experience for everyone involved. If you need to do a mundane task, mm -hmm. gamify it, you know, yeah. and it just, it just makes it easier because I think we're, we're just wired that way um, mm -hmm. to want to play games, to want to solve puzzles, to want to just make a game out of it. It's interesting, right? Yeah. And I think there's something also to introducing a new game and then having to understand how to play that and then figuring out what your strategies are going to be, right? So that mm -hmm. there's this sort of getting better at the games that you play. And then there's the, hey, here's a new game. Now there's, a, yeah. you know, all bets are off. Now we have to figure out this whole new way of achieving whatever the goal is. <laughs> and I always find that fun, all the different game mechanics that are out yeah. there and, and, you know, how you get to whatever the, sort of the quote, win looks like, right? That, that I think that's a right. lot of fun. Yeah, sometimes reading the rules can be a game in itself. You know? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Trying to understand the rules, you know? Yeah. I, I have uh, I have uh, hit YouTube more than a couple of times to figure out how to play mm -hmm. a game. Yeah. Uh, Disney villains in particular, that one's like, okay, this I'm super confused oh, here. I need some help. Okay. Yeah, you have to tell yeah. me about that. 
Yeah, so um, my wife and, and our daughter have been playing that. They're not quite there. It's it's actually pretty complicated, and even mm-hmm. my wife's kind of like, we're not quite sure yet how to play it. So mm-hmm. I think we're going to leave that aside maybe for another few months and uh, mm-hmm. take another run at it. But mm-hmm. I, So, Tim, do you have a structured game night? Like, how? what does this all look like in your place? Is it your daughter just coming up and saying, hey, well, I want to play a game? Or how do you guys, you know, how is this built into your life? Yeah. I have definitely tried to have the structured game night, but honestly, it tends to get vetoed in favor of a movie night a lot. Ah, the movie night. (laughs) You know, since Netflix, Amazon, Disney Plus, you know, they make it, they make for very tough competition. Yeah. You know, with those, you just press play and the entertainment just happens to you, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) versus the interactive and vested nature of a tabletop game. You know, those games aren't going to play themselves. You have to put some work in, you know. and even though my daughter, she loves to play tabletop games, um, we do limit her screen viewing time during the weekdays. So she's always going to opt for an opportunity to stare at the screen instead. <laughs> um, it's sad, but it's true. So it, it's an ongoing struggle. Mm-hmm. But typically, um, if we can get two out of four weekends out of a month, out of any given month, I think we're doing pretty well. But when we do get to play, it's usually on Saturday nights because that way, if it turns into a late night, we can sleep in, sleep nice. in a little the next morning. <laughs> Good strategy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I have also always tried to get a scheduled game night, and it just—it's just kind of one of these things that slips off the, you know, off the schedule. But yeah, like you, the kids always want to—they just gravitate toward the movie nights, and we actually have sort of stopped doing that too because. At seven and four, it's really tough to get them to agree on anything. And it's not its not necessarily they don't just want to watch or they it's not just that they don't want to watch the same things. It's that our mm-hmm. son gets scared much easier. And so a lot of the mm-hmm. things that our older daughter wants to watch, he can't. So, yeah, the game night is something that I do want to implement. I feel like maybe a structured game night. Hopefully I can do that soonish. But, yeah, we're I think we're kind of like you, you know, sort of. Our daughter, it's frequently our daughter will just come up to me and say, hey, I want to play a game. I'm like, that's great. great. <laughs> you know, like, take your pick. We got a whole bunch. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's what we do. And, you You're know, she's, right. <laughs> well, you know, I, I started to notice that her arc is has been recently less about toys and mm-hmm. more about sort of experiences or art projects or like things that she can do. And I think that the, the games sort of fold into that. So she is always, you know, almost always, I would say, you know, at least once to twice a week, she'll want to play a board game. Um, and it'll, you know, it'll differ. Some of them are going to be easier than others, but there are a few sort of go-tos that she likes. And then mm-hmm. sometimes I try and bring the ones out that are, you know, we, we haven't kind of played in a while, but there are, are great yeah. games. And so, yeah, it, it, it can be difficult. I know some people do have regular game nights, but I tend to think that it's being sort of older people. Yeah. And certainly when, you know, before we had kids, yeah. There was somebody in the group that was like every weekend he had a game night and, you know, he could get anywhere between, you know, five and 15 people to show up to his game nights. And um, yeah, it's cool. just different. But, you know, going back to the point, right, that you, like everybody, it doesn't matter what age you are, right? That sort of mm-hmm. the communal aspect and, mm-hmm. and that thing is, is it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. You made me think how you said that your daughter, she kind of has, she's she's grown to this place where it's fulfilling playing these games are filling a need that she has Mm -hmm. and so in a way you're it's up to us to kind of try to follow that try to track it 
follow the child, as, as it's been said. Um, and speaking in my own case, again, my daughter, she's lately, she'll randomly come up to me and want to do what seems like role playing. She'll mm -hmm. literally start narrating a story. She'll oh, stop at certain places and then she'll give me choices. Do you want to go oh, over here or do you want uh -huh. to go over there? And then I'll tell her where I want to go and then she'll continue the story and tell oh, me the outcome. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, hmm, the time might be ripe to introduce her to role playing game. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. again, you kind of have to follow that through. Um, so I think we might be, she might be ready for that. Hey, so one thing that we've just started, uh, we, we just got this, my, brother picked it up i don't know for christmas and he just gave it to us recently uh but it's have you heard of story cubes yes we have a, we have a yeah set. so yeah. yeah we've got the moomin ones which are adorable oh wow <laughs> and yeah, so I can yeah right i've started to have our four-year-old play with those i got something similar to that for our daughter and she just mm -hmm. she never took to it but mm -hmm. they were these sort of tangible they weren't they weren't dice it was a bunch of sort of icons and then not mm -hmm. icons but they were I don't know, three-dimensional, almost, they were actually almost like gummies. But So you put them in a bag and you just grab like five of them out. And then with that, you know, then you create the story. And she she just never got into it. Yeah. But yeah. he seems to be taken to the story cubes a little bit. And I'm like, yeah. let's, let, yeah, I mean, as you say, right, let's foster that. You want to tell me a story? Let's go do it. And, and yeah. the same thing with, with our daughter, with the games. I mean, sometimes I can't play the game. You know, it's just life is unfortunately in the mm -hmm. way. But I try and do that as little as possible because I, I don't want her to ever get to the point where she wants to play a game. She's like, well, dad's going to say no. So what's the point in asking? Um, oh, wow. yeah. You know, so I want to make sure we never get there. And so it's right. kind of like in as much as I can, you want to play a game? Right. Okay, well, look, I only have 10 minutes. So here are the three, right. here are your three choices because these are quick <laughs> games and yeah. we can get in and out. And that's um, so I'm tr kind of trying to work on that because that's, it can be difficult. But uh, yeah, I mean, as you point out, right, follow the kids and when they're ready, they're ready. And uh, hopefully yeah. that you know we can just sort of ride their coattails and, and exactly. give them slight pushes in the direction um, yeah. as we get there. So since we've kind of started talking about a few of the games that we're playing or interested in, how do you how do you learn about games? What are the resources that you tap to find out what's out there and, and what might be a good fit for your family? Mm -hmm. Well, um, I would say it was a little different pre-COVID. It's pretty easy now. Um, but before before COVID happened, it was the all-powerful Google, you know, mm -hmm. uh, or, or subreddits that talk about board games or tabletop mm -hmm. games. Those were always great resources. Um, just looking for top 10 lists, best board games, mm -hmm. you know, put in the age range. Um, but uh, I also have gone down the YouTube rabbit hole. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> a couple yeah. of those that I enjoy diving into from time to time. There's this one called Watch It Played. Mm -hmm. like where the, the guy basically gives you a step-by-step -step tutorial of how to play specific mm -hmm. games. And he's really good at that. Um, another one that was, that's fun to, to look at is um, the, I don't think they've made any new episodes, but the older episodes of a, a YouTube show called Tabletop. It's hosted mm -hmm. by Will Wheaton of Star oh, Trek, yeah, the next yeah, generation. Uh -huh. yeah, I, I, those, those are pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And then, um, Board Game Geek, it's a website, mm -hmm. but it also has a really good YouTube channel that reviews games. They give you gameplay uh, tutorials and things like that. And then um, another resource is just going to the just going to the local game shop 
you know, perusing the shelves, talking to the staff, um, you know, and that's, that's always fun. And then, you know, of course, picking the brains of other gaming families and friends, yeah. people like mm-hmm. you, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, I do similar stuff, right? Yeah, I think the first pass is you Google something and then you sort of start seeing what comes up and then mm-hmm. you start, there's, you start to get to know kind of what sites make sense for the type of things that you're looking for. And we've done that. And I've, I've looked up occasionally when I'm doing research for like a specific, you know, if there's a specific event where I'm like, I know I want to get a game, what should I look for? I'll, I've used the Mensa awards or the Spiel de Yar in the past as, you know, just, and I'm, I'm not so much looking for the winner and as much as I'm looking for the nominees, because at least it's just the bigger, like, I don't care if you won or not. But if you're in part of the conversation, then, you know, like, okay, it just, it sort of narrows the focus, but it also right. is that sort of discovery piece, right? That, all right, well, there's been a first pass here. Because I will say there's one game that I bought when uh, Toys R Us was going out of business. And I'm like, well, it's, you know, five bucks, right? And unfortunately, my daughter enjoys that game. I hate that game. Like, it's just, I find it to be, I find there to be very little redeeming quality in the gameplay and like yeah. all of that. There's um, always it, one. Right. It feels like pure luck. And I'm just like, why did she like this game so much? I never should have bought it. And so I feel like at least that first pass online filters out some of those sort of (laughs) useless, like we launched this one game and it sucked and you're the sucker for having bought it. So, um, you know, yeah, I think that that first pass and then and and going to the local game stores. But yeah, the the rabbit hole of YouTube is absolutely real when you start putting in those keywords. And then the next thing you know, you're you know, you're, you have no idea how you got there and it's been three hours later and I've built now this laundry list of, you know, 20 games in the last three hours. And I'm like, these could all be great. So yeah, there, there are a lot of resources. I don't know that I have necessarily any go-tos, but yeah, just sort of by going into Google and finding all of the links. And, and like I said, yeah, there are a few places that sort of keep popping up and a few games that always pop up, but um, yeah, I think it's, it's sort of that first search And, and, and yeah, just like you, right. I mean, you and I have had conversations and this is where it becomes fun, right? To see what other people are doing and and what they like and why, why they like them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's, again, it's interesting. I mean, New York times and Forbes came out with top 10 board game lists at the end of last year, because that's what people were doing, you Mm -hmm. know? So again, it's, it's a, it's a good thing. You know, that's one of the silver linings, one of the, one of the silver linings of all this uh, lockdown (laughs) stuff. Yes. So few, but we'll take that one. So, you know, we're talking about, we're already starting to get closer to the point, which is, you know, what do you look for in a good game? What are the the kinds of things that make something open your eyes up and go, yeah, I want that one. Oh man, that that list is long, but um, (laughs) let me, let me try to keep it short. I have to say like, this may sound kind of shallow, but it's, it's gotta be aesthetically appealing. I -hmm. think. Yeah, That's, it's almost first on my list. Just the look and feel of the game needs to mm-hmm. draw you and hold your attention. I mean, it's weird how much of an impact that can have on the overall experience, but for me, it really does. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think it needs to be challenging, but not too punishing. You know, the game has to, it, there's a fine line because you want players' interest in the game to remain high, even if for when they're losing, right? Right. And if so, but at the same time, if it's too challenging or too unforgiving, you run the risk of them losing total interest. Right. Um, and then you also, on the other side, if it's too easy, then the mind is more apt to drift and players get bored and distracted. So you want a game that keeps everyone in the zone 
you know, and, and fully engaged throughout. Mm-hmm. So, I, and I also find it important to have games that don't have an elimination mechanic, you know, that takes the mm-hmm. player out of the game completely mm-hmm. before the game is over. Because I mean, nobody, nobody wants to be <laughs> kicked out of the game before the game is over, you know. Uh-huh. Um, and I find that that balance that I was talking about can especially be hard to strike when you have kids who are growing mm-hmm. because they're becoming smarter, or sharper, or faster every day. Mm-hmm. So you have to into it when it's eventually time to move on from a game that they've outgrown, you know, you, and then you put them on Craigslist and you buy something more age appropriate with the money, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like for instance, when our daughter was younger, the Haba games, you know, the German mm-hmm. company, yeah, mm-hmm. like those were our wheelhouse, you know, mm-hmm. but being seven and a half now, she's pretty well past those. Yeah. And you know, we do still keep a couple of them on the shelf more for posterity you know she still enjoys playing right. them but I, <laughs> but i think it's more for nostalgia's sake than for any actual challenge so mm-hmm. what we try to do now is look for games that are a little bit beyond her ability actually mm-hmm. so she can put some work into meeting the challenge mm-hmm. of mastering them and then growing into them nice so you know when you talk about this balance right how do you, are you is it is that why the sort of the walkthrough youtube videos are so important is that how you establish, like, how do you figure out what that balance is before you have to cough up the money? And certainly as games are getting more and more mm-hmm. expensive, right? There are 50, $80 games out there. Like, mm-hmm. how do you, how do you make that call before you've actually played it? Yeah, this is again, kind of the, where the, the intuition uh, mm-hmm. has to kind of come into play. You know, you, you just kind of, you, yeah, you watch the gameplay on YouTube, you read reviews by other uh comment comments in youtube um videos or on amazon for instance you look at the comments and Mm -hmm. the reviews underneath and sometimes people will just talk about how old their kids were Mm -hmm. when they were playing them Mm -hmm. um and you'll eventually you know you kind of feel it and then you just looking at your own child just thinking do you think she could handle that and there had been times where actually let me think has there ever been a time where i was wrong not yet not yet i I think it's pretty it's yeah you just you give yourself time you give it time and you just feel it out Mm -hmm. i haven't been wrong yet but well you know i like uh, it can happen (laughs) (laughs) well i I mean i like the concept of having them grow into a game and Mm -hmm. uh, i believe and i think we'll get into this a little bit later but i i think that also your daughter is is doing actually, you know, is doing that in terms of some of the games that you guys are playing where I'm like, I'm not sure if my daughter's ready to even start that yet. So I like that concept of kind of having them go in maybe a level just below where they need to be. And so it, it gives them a challenge. And then also there's a sense of, I think, accomplishment, right? When oh, you, yeah. when you've For hit sure. that and you're like, wow, I won my first whatever, or yeah. now I really understand the mechanic. Let's go. Like I'm all in now. Oh, you wouldn't believe how much pride comes from knowing they can play a game where on the side of the box it says 14 plus, mm-hmm. and they're like, "I'm only seven, and I can play this game." I mean, it's it's pretty cool. And and honestly, mm-hmm. like those those are those little kind of those age ranges. You know, you. I mean, sometimes they are very appropriate, but sometimes again, depending on your child, right? It's kind of like. Um, when you're looking at Google Maps and, and the amount of time it takes to walk somewhere, you know, it really depends on on the mm-hmm. person walking. You sometimes you get there sooner, <laughs> sometimes you get there later. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> so you kind of take kind of take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. 
So, you know, one of the things that I look for is, and I guess maybe it's also because my kid, my youngest is still four, is we're still doing a lot of the cooperative games. I like that mechanic, though, too, just in general. I think even as an adult, yeah. I, I enjoy the mechanic of the co-op game, like the pandemic, yeah. which that one feel that one, even as an adult, can be a little bit punishing. But I, yeah. I enjoy yeah. playing that. That's one of the ones I want to get her into. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, that co-op style is, it's just a... I mean, it's relatively new, but I, I enjoy that. So, you know, we kind of look for that. And, um, and you know, the other thing, I guess, is as as we talked about, right, I, I tend to like games that have that component where she can do the math. Like, she can now contribute or, you know, be the banker if it's Monopoly. And like, all right, yeah. you got you to gotta count it out, right? Like, I'm not yeah. not doing that anymore. And if, if you happen <laughs> to steal some money, good for you. Like, you've earned it if you can get away with it. And, um, you know, but but also like having to build houses and things like that. We're not doing the full-blown Monopoly yet. We're doing the Monopoly Junior. Yeah. But there, you know, there's some money going back and forth and at least yeah, yeah. having it counted out and then thinking, all right, well, is it, you know, is it time to buy the house or is it time to buy mm-hmm. the thing? And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think those are, are I think, just some of the fun things that I look for yeah. in a game. I mean, so what are, you know, what are some of your favorite games that you guys are playing right now? Or, or maybe, you know, things that you really enjoyed when she was younger, either or. Okay. Um, well, when she was younger, I think, did we play Orchard at your house? Yes. And or, thankfully, yes, we have that. Thank you. You, then, you guys, get, we, you guys get yes, you gave it to yeah, us. Yeah, we we played it. We kind of for one last yeah. time, and then we gifted it to your yes, son. Thank you. Yeah, and he plays that it. Was, yeah, he, that's one that he's like, I want to play this. He will yeah. pull that one off the shelf and say, Let's play this. So I thank mean, I you. have to say, I miss it sometimes. I mean, <laughs> it's it's such a strange game because it. I mean, you can. Well, it's funny. It's one of those games where on the side it says from age three to one hundred and three, and it's true. <laughs> You know, uh-huh. it, it's there's just something fun about that mechanic. Mm-hmm. Again, because it's cooperative and yeah, yeah it's just. But it, so that was one that was really she loved it. Um, <laughs> something I wanted to talk about in terms of um, yeah, like some of the nostalgic games, right? Um, that she played that she had outgrown. Um, she was really big into Candyland <laughs> when mm-hmm. she was younger, which I was not a fan this is that game that you were talking about where <laughs> you're just trying to find a day where it can just mysteriously disappear you know right yes it's a debate of most parents yeah i mean i think what was wrong with that one is because you know i think i mean for me at least there needs to be a good balance between luck and skill in a game mm-hmm. you know i find this especially important when you're playing with young children mm-hmm. this evens the playing field and allows for someone who may not be as skilled still have opportunities to win if luck happens to be on their side. So I think a luck mm-hmm. element needs to be in there. Mm-hmm. And if there's no luck component in a game like chess, for example, then the better player will likely always win. And then of course that stops being fun pretty quick. <laughs> but in a game like Candyland where there's no skill and only luck, that's no fun either. Cause right. um, you know, that game is based completely on the drawing of random cards from a pile. And then that dictates how you move on the board. And so when the novelty of having a game about candy wore off, <laughs> that got pretty old pretty fast. And eventually she tired of it. And then we were able to move on. And now she's definitely more into strategy and decision-making mm-hmm. aspects of a game. Um, but that was another one she really liked. Um, you mentioned Pandemic. Mm-hmm. We uh, bought and played that one about a year before COVID. 
on the strength of what seemed to be a really cool premise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and now I have to say it can be downright eerie, you know, having that game on our show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. even still is up there among my very favorites. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's cooperative, you know, yeah. which I love, you know, essentially the collective, you know, the kind of the premise, but you know, there's mm-hmm. lots of ways to lose and basically only one way to win lots yeah. of variants, you know, with the different characters with different skill sets. So that's a great game. Um, and I like that, that you can tweak it so that it has different difficulty levels to choose mm-hmm. from. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's a cool one. Um, Ticket to Ride. Have you played that one? You know, we've only played the junior version and okay. I played it on mobile. But right. um, yeah. Yeah, we have the European one. And that mm-hmm. we like that one. It's pretty fast paced. It's competitive mm-hmm. and um, definitely requires a lot of strategy. You know, every player is a railroad baron who has to build train routes, um, mm-hmm. like all around Europe, and and then they earn points through doing that. Mm-hmm. And and um, it takes about, I mean, it's quick to learn, and it it's the games go relatively quickly, like thirty minutes mm-hmm. or so, thirty minutes to an hour maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, one game that we really like is, uh, and we play this game a lot, and we make we usually play it on our sushi night. <laughs> uh, it's Tokaido. Mm-hmm. It's easily the most zen game in our collection. Mm-hmm. And it's like a two to five player. It's a competitive game. But the play is so easygoing and peaceful that sometimes you forget that the goal is to, to win. You know? <laughs> I mean, there's so much fun in the journey that the mm-hmm. destination is almost secondary. And, and is basically... That the one where you're... Mm-hmm. Sorry, is that the one where you're going through like the Japanese countryside? Exactly. Yeah, each uh-huh. player is a traveler and they're walking along the East Sea Road of ancient japan mm-hmm. and they're trying to get from kyoto to Edo, mm. or what is now known as tokyo, tokyo <laughs> yeah. it, along the way you make stops at temples and shops you make friends who help you on your journey you collect souvenirs you make stops at hot springs and like each of those encounters scores you points so that the person who arrives at Edo with the most experienced points wins so it's not the person who gets there first. It's the person who has the most experience. Yeah. At the end. Yeah. And that's basically the winner. And it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's, it's really fun. Um, I, I have to say it's, I just like the, the feel of that game as, as you play it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would say um, the one game where my daughter kind of has to reach a little bit is uh, that we have in which she really enjoys is wingspan. Mm-hmm. Um and that game is rewarding on so many levels. Like first, it's just gorgeously designed. Mm-hmm. It's a game uh, about birds, and there's something yeah, yeah, like yeah. A, yeah, there's like 170 cars of different species, and each one is just beautifully illustrated. And then there's the different colored bird eggs and the bird feeder that comes with the game, and the cool-looking dice and tokens. I mean, mm-hmm. I could go on and on about how pretty this game is. Um, and you know, it's it's an engine-building, card-based board game. Which mm-hmm. means that uh, players create something at the start, which keeps building up points as the game progresses. Mm-hmm. And if you're a bird enthusiast, I mean, you're never going to want this game to end. But even if you're not, this game will have you under its spell pretty quickly, just based on the mechanics and the gameplay. And, there, and I have to say, there is a bit more of a learning curve uh, because, again, the recommended age for this one is like 14 plus. But once everyone gets the hang of it, it can be a lot of fun. So I, I would recommend that one for sure. Yeah, I think the I think the last time we talked about games, you had your eye on that game and you mm-hmm. were going to pull the trigger pretty soon. I I remember that was something that you yeah. were looking at for a while. I think they won game of the year for that, right? Or they were runner up. Like it's 
I think, I think they've got some critical uh, recognition for that one. I believe you're right. Um, yeah. I think it did win some awards. Yeah. We, you know, one of the companies that I really like, I, I keep going back to these guys, is Game Right. I think they have just a great lineup of super inventive games and mm -hmm. um you know some of the we like playing sushi go i think sushi go is mm -hmm. a really good example of something where there's a math mechanic in there and so the idea is you have all these pieces of sushi and you have to make <laughs> you make points based on sort of combinations and yeah. it depends on like if you have the most amount of cards or sometimes like if you have a nigiri you can add a wasabi and then it's a multiplier so there's yeah. a little bit of multiplication in there and there are multiple rounds that so i like that one that one's a lot of fun and uh, zeus on the loose is another one where you're basically going up to mount olympus and you have to get each card i think ranges from one to ten and it's the first person to get to exactly a hundred wins that round but there are cards that will take away points or uh there are certain cards like it'll just go from zero and you can put a card that says like add 99 or something like that or you know or just it goes to 99 so it's it's a fun mechanic but it also keeps you going up and down the ladder between zero and 100 so it kind of keeps people guessing and then again it it just allows for that quick sort of mental math of like adding this plus subtracting that i like that um, which i like her doing yeah so that was a fun one and it's pretty quick like if you it's normally four rounds so first person to spell mm -hmm. zeus wins but you know if you can't bang out four rounds then you know you bang out one or three mm -hmm. or two or whatever um the one we just actually just the other day she wanted to play corkle which is a lot of fun okay so the corkle's got you know you've got all these different shapes and colors and you have to make um you almost make like a Scrabble board where you're linking shapes and colors together and it's a point-based system and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of strategy and what I like about that one is when we first started playing she would play with us and she'd start getting behind in the point score but if you get a Quirkle which is six in a row of either the same color or different shapes it gives you 12 points and you get a few of those you can quickly go from being behind by 30 points to being up and that was the thing that i was trying to teach her because there was one in one point of the game she's like oh i'm behind too much i yeah. quit and i'm like well let's just keep this going and i didn't pull that many punches but i pulled a few just to kind of get her to understand that like well just because you're down at the beginning that's not how it's necessarily going to end up at the end and so i think to your point right about some of the things that you look for in games like the ability to kind of come back from yeah. being way down and still yeah. having that hope that it, the game is not over until the game is over and that always having that yeah. little possibility that you can come back with a you know a good move or by in some games screwing the other person right um and so that one's yeah. a lot of fun and you know what our son right now there. yeah and i think that's another thing that i'm trying to pull out in places here like look you know whatever you can do to kind of have those life skills that yes overall right it teaches you know not being a poor loser and all that stuff but i think there are other things that you can slide into games that mm -hmm. are maybe less intuitive than yeah. the you know all right well you lost suck it up and you know, <laughs> let's play it again let's try it again and see what happens yeah um and our son right now being four he's into you know obviously slightly different games he so we started introducing out fox to him which is a fun game that's mm -hmm. another game right game actually right so there's a there's a logic mechanic about finding out which of the foxes stole the gem and there's a process of elimination. And mm -hmm. so we played our first legitimate round of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, Busy Town, he really likes Busy Town. 
Yeah. Which is some of the Richard Scary. So we've got Busy Town and oh, wow. there's an airport one that he likes. Yeah. So it's if you're if you're familiar, right, with the with the Richard yeah. Scary with the his design sensibility. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's it's those things. And it's a hidden image game, right? So you have to find all of the garbage cans. And the board the board is like uh, four feet long, I think. So, you know, everybody can kind oh, of wow. split up a section. So it's a lot of fun to mm-hmm you know, kind of find those. And, and that's one that he goes to quite frequently. Mm-hmm. That's one of his goes-tos. But he's starting to get to the point where he wants to play the older games, but he's not, you know, mentally he's not capable yet of understanding the mechanics. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we just have to make up rules entirely to get him to play. Because he's like, I want to play, the, like there's a, there's a game that I, I've gotten a few sort of coding games that's really quote coding games are all about teaching logic right and sort of that sort of here's a step-by-step process and there's one in particular that he likes because i think he likes the um the pieces right and and the visuals of it but that it's just at this point it's a little bit beyond him and so we kind of you know we'll just change the rules on the fly which i guess makes it a little difficult because every time the rules are a little bit different because we forget what we told him (laughs) last time but but at least he's he's having fun and he's still coming to us with games but yeah there are other games that um, you know we have for him. One of the things that actually our daughter really enjoyed playing when she was probably about four was Guess Who, mm-hmm. and that was actually one. So I talked about how you know we didn't have too many discussions about okay, well you won, great, good job. But mm-hmm. actually, Guess Who was one where there are a few times where she guessed the person within I think three or four turns, mm-hmm. and we we're just like okay, wow. well how you know like how did you do that? Like, was there an actual thought or was this just completely random and you just sort of lucked into it? So, and so it's interesting to, as you're having those conversations to sort of see her line of thinking through that process. And there's one that, that we actually have that's this sort of a guess who on steroids. So it's the same concept, <laughs> yeah. but instead of it being people, it's a bunch of desserts and then you have to pick colors of the desserts. Oh, wow. Um, that one's really fun. Yeah. I can, I can't, I'm, I'm blanking on it right now. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll send you the, I'll send you the link. I'll, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes when I figure it out, but that one's a yeah. lot of fun and it's, it's pretty complicated because there's so many different variables. I think the board is, I think the board's 12 by 12. So there are 144 possibilities. So, oh, so, wow. you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's a lot of fun in that sense. Like there's a lot that you can do with that one. Um, Actually, that was one of the things I wanted to mention in terms of what I look for in a game too. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. This you know, because storage in our apartment for tabletop games is pretty limited. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I try to stock our shelves with games that are highly replayable, mm-hmm. you know, and they have lots of variability with multiple paths to victory, you know, mm-hmm. based on multiple strategies. Mm-hmm. And it, so that allows for different styles of play each time, which makes for different outcomes. And it just keeps you wanting to come back for more. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And of course, the more physically combat, compact, the better <laughs> when you have limited space. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah it's story cubes, right? So, so uh, are you guys, you mentioned uh, that you're teaching your daughter chess. And I know that there was a thread going back and forth mm-hmm. uh, at school about some people are starting to play chess online. Have you guys done anything like that where she's starting to take on people online? And if you have, online like, gaming. yeah, have you, have you started to start exploring that and and maybe less like the minecraft online gaming and mm-hmm. the Fortnite online gaming versus like yeah playing sort of a tabletop game in a virtual environment right you know um we don't she as soon as it goes digital something just happens to her brain and then she mm-hmm. then she starts to like when she thinks of games it's more it has to be moving around and it has right to be, it's a, yeah. there has to be music and 
you know, mm-hmm. um, I think going to just the idea of chess, um, I, I love that they have this community and I wish you could join it. Um, I wish you would want to join it. But I think what happened with chess is she had kind of a searching for Bobby Fisher moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever saw that movie, but it was kind of where the kid at the end. Well, I'm not going to spoil it, but she basically <laughs> I think it's a good movie. Everybody should see it. But it definitely she loves to play chess. She loves to play mm-hmm. chess with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's almost like a moment where we can just quietly hang out and mm-hmm. do something almost mechanically without putting much thought. In. I mean, you're definitely putting thought into it, right, but it's right. it's hard to explain. Like there's she enjoys the process of chess mm-hmm. as much as I do. And it, there is she does want to win. She's definitely trying to win and she mm-hmm. wins. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was in the chess club for for a little while. Um, I mean, our kindergarten had a chess club. She was <laughs> she was in it and she enjoyed it and she loved it. But she hasn't expressed any desire to uh, be a, to play it online or anything mm-hmm. really any board mm-hmm. games online. But that could change. Well, yeah. well, and I guess that goes back to the point that we were talking about earlier, right? There's that, that physical, tactile mm-hmm. sense. There's something that's a yeah. little bit lost in translation when you're in this sort of flat, one-dimensional screen right. versus having learned it in a three-dimensional space. Chess is great, though, for the for the reason that it is kind of like a coding game, right? Mm-hmm. If, you're, if you enjoy chess and you're into that and the mechanics of it, it's definitely setting you up to be able to... to get into coding next mm-hmm. or play or mm-hmm. or just uh, alongside playing chess mm-hmm. um, what about you yeah so we have been doing a few games so there, we had a podcast earlier in the year as episode two about how our kids are interacting with their grandparents and one of the things that my mom had seen is some of her grandparenting cohort if you will who had older kids would do on they would have actually online game nights and but you know those kids were more like 14 you know like middle school high school right but you know we started thinking well what kinds of games have a mechanic where you actually could play online and so she uh she created a bingo game for primarily for our son this is just a little bit easier for him so i think it's a little more colorful and everything our daughter plays it too and so they facetime uh and so you know she, she has a board and they have a board and then she bought guess who so they can do that virtually. And then Battleship is the one that she just started to learn. And so they're, you know, she's got the iPad set up. And, and so, yeah, it's it's fun. And it's a, it's yeah. a nice way for them to interact because, you know, sort of pre-COVID, we would go over there every Friday for dinner. And in the last year, I think the kids have seen their grandparents maybe four times. And that was really at the beginning when, you know, it was a little bit more... It, it, it was a little bit safer here sort mm-hmm. of in the early stages. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's just, a, it's a nice way for them to connect. And again, have that, that shared experience with, um, you know, with their grandparents that they, they're not able to have right now. So uh, th- the last thing I want to find out, cause I, I'm really curious is mm-hmm. what are, and you sort of mentioned one of them, but what are the games that you're excited to be sharing with your daughter that maybe she's not yet ready for the things that you're like, man, I can't wait to get this one and bring it home and show her and, you know, start going on that. Um, I think that, uh, I have to, I have to at some point introduce her to Catan. 
Mm. Because, I mean, this is like the holy grail of board games. <laughs> I mean, it's literally on the shelf of every friend we know who is serious mm -hmm. about tabletop gaming. So mm -hmm. if you're into board games, it seems like you should know it. Mm -hmm. um, it's a, you know, you know the premise. It's a civilization building game about yeah. harvesting and trading resources. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm pretty certain that my daughter is old enough to learn it. I just have to take the leap and, and get us started. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I feel like, again, a lot of her friends will likely may already know it mm -hmm. and it would just be a great um common ground that they would have you know yeah we have the junior version mm -hmm. which that actually was heavy into the rotation at the beginning that was one of the first games i think i got her yeah um and so yeah we've had that for a couple years and yeah she the junior versions you know it's pretty easy mm -hmm. but she and she enjoys that one okay. but yeah i had sort of gotten that junior version as a way to start early introducing the rough mm -hmm. game like so we have like uh, junior uh, carcassonne we have a few of the junior ones because mm -hmm. i'm hoping that mm -hmm. basically we just start moving our way into you know the sort of the normal i guess version if you will but that's you know i right. think that's kind of where we're going um with yeah. that and then um are you playing pandemic with your daughter already oh yeah yeah we we yeah. love that game it's uh mm -hmm. we we've actually defeated the the virus oh nice once <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's, yeah. it's a hard game it's a hard game yes. but again it's weird it's one of those games where it's it's fun such a fun game mm -hmm. uh it's fun to lose <laughs> um <laughs> yeah it, it's but yeah um another game that uh i want i'm interested in even for myself just because it seems it's kind of been in my orbit it's uh sherlock holmes consulting detective uh, mm -hmm. have you heard yeah, of that i've seen that yeah yeah i've, I've kind of had my eye on that yeah yeah this one i think it came out in the mid 80s so everything is there's no dice there's no pieces so there's a lot of it's a lot of problem solving you're looking at mm -hmm. documents and forms and looking for clues and that there's mm -hmm. that just seems so ripe for just um you know helping them solidify problem solving skills and things like that um and i know there's there's different versions of that game but you know i i would i would like to check that one out to see if it's mm -hmm. i'd have to investigate it more do a few youtube uh <laughs> dives on that one mm -hmm. so so that's another one that comes to my mind yeah and then you you mentioned because i i noticed this because i have it on my list is mm -hmm. dungeons and dragons that maybe yeah. now is the time to start and yeah i mean i think really grew up playing dungeons and dragons too much but i always wanted to <laughs> so, which is a weird which is a weird thing and i i feel like here's my opportunity to create my own you know my own clan with my family uh but i feel like that one is kind of we're sort of rounding the bend and i think mm -hmm. she'll be ready for that pretty soon it mm -hmm. sounds like you you think that that like your daughter's probably getting ready for that yeah you know we already have this book that we bought about two years ago um I, the name is escaping me right now of this book i i have it and it mm -hmm. basically teaches you how to play role-playing games with your children at a very young age oh. uh -huh. um you 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 play with the dice you know you have 12-sided dice eight-sided dice mm -hmm. six-sided dice so just just the dice is going to get them interested right but then mm -hmm. you initially when they're very young the it's more about storytelling and, mm -hmm. and them figuring out how to, to do storytelling and and making choices and things like that so this book 
explains how to how to make a game like that and to make it compelling and make it fun you you have character sheets that they they draw the character there's a few each each uh, they have four skills each one attributed to a different die mm-hmm. um and then you go through a scenario and then you roll the dice and and it's just very very loose but it, it's I, I like how he goes about it this particular writer and i i'm sorry i do not remember the name of that book um but it's it's a good place to start i think before you start mm-hmm. getting into the real nuts and bolts of a role-playing game with because those can get pretty pretty involved but i i right now we're actually in the process of building our own role-playing game based on the rules of mm. that book um, oh nice yeah so so that's been fun i, I have mm. a sneaky feeling that if she gets into role-playing games she's going to be the game master <laughs> <laughs> because she loves to tell stories she just loves uh-huh. telling stories um, kind of holding forth you know <laughs> right yeah well i think that's why it, the, that's such a fun outlet the yeah. you know dungeons and dragons to be able to tap into the imagination mm-hmm. and and have that experience so that's yeah i mean that's kind of why I'm, I'm interested to get the kids going on that and i think uh, she has there are a few other games uh, uh, yet another game right game that we have actually that is <laughs> that is sort of that medieval fantasy kind of style and she really enjoys that game Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it feels like that's, you know, the the evolution, the natural evolution of all this stuff is that at some point, hopefully, we will go down the path of doing um, Dungeons and & Dragons. And I, I remember reading this article. I think these guys came out just a little bit before the pandemic. But there is a service online where you can basically match up to a, an online dungeon master. So, like, if you're just getting into it, that you know you can have somebody basically handle that side of the house for you and then you can just play and they have i think you can pick like your scenarios and you can pick mm-hmm. the age of the kids if, if you know if you're playing with kids or you know the adults and and so i think that might be also maybe a way for us to sort of ease into it as well mm-hmm. to kind of test the waters and, and mm-hmm. see with somebody who has some experience in sort of building those worlds yeah. and um you know bringing those to life so i think that's going to be really interesting i, I can't wait yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully, hopefully she'll get there. I don't know. Maybe it's just going to be me. But you know, it'll be me and your daughter. You can, you can she play can with be us. my dungeon yeah. master. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Invite me, and, and we will go. But yeah, I think that'll be fun. So um, yeah. You know, um, one other game that comes to my mind. I, we actually own it. This is one of those games that I was so excited about. I had, to, I bought it, and I said, "Well, she'll be ready in like five years." Um, but I, it's such an exciting game. Uh, the the kind of the the premise. So the game is called Dialect. It's not really a board game. It kind of plays more into the role-playing genre, but it's basically a game about how language um, forms and how it dies in a society, mm-hmm. in a culture, which mm-hmm. I I thought would be a really interesting thing to explore, especially given that my daughter goes to a you know a, an immersion school. She's all about mm-hmm. language and language acquisition mm-hmm. and learning language but this particular game sets the stage where you're in an isolated community and you build a a language and then through time that language starts to kind of devolve and you you kind of watch how that affects how things happen within your society and i just thought that was such an interesting concept um Yeah. yeah and and so there's um it's been around for a couple of years um and I'm still trying to learn the rules. I've got a few more years to figure it out. 
Um, <laughs> but once I, I think that would be a really good, good exploration of just language and how language yeah. um, works generally. Mm -hmm. Well, the beauty of the beauty of games, right, is to be able yeah. to bring in these kinds of topics and explore them in ways that are, you know, completely innovative and mm -hmm. new and, and maybe, you know, more fun than reading about them, maybe for certain people. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, well, keep us keep keeps informed. That sounds pretty cool. So, yeah, um, for sure. Do you play uh, any traditional card games? Um, uh no like well actually poker, no, so that's spades. not true um so my wife really wants to play poker she got <laughs> poker chips uh yeah. i'm not sure what that's all about but yeah so she she plays that um actually one of the games that i grew up with because uh, my mother is japanese is there's a japanese card game mm -hmm. that uh i played quite a bit growing up and that's a lot of fun and it's it's sort of it's not quite pattern recognition, but it's there's like a certain number of sets and suites. Actually, you would probably like it because it's very visual. It's not just like the ace and the king, but there's a whole series of different images and certain cards go together. So these they're all sets of four, and right. then based on how you match them together, they you know you get a certain number of points. And you know I haven't played it in a while but it's probably something that I should introduce to my daughter because it's yeah. it's fairly straightforward like yeah. you just have to memorize the sets and you know again there's only there's only four cards per set and they're very distinctive visually so it yeah. should not be that difficult mm -hmm. um and that's it's a very small deck and I used to take that elsewhere actually and then there's another game that I used to play um and I don't know what the name is in English, but it's basically a, it's a card game. It's a European card game and you're supposed to go like a thousand, you know, like in, in Europe, they have those mile markers that like yeah. those old school, like cement mile markers. And so you have to get like to a thousand of these mile markers. And so when you're playing, like if I'm playing with you, I can throw like a, um, a flat tire and that stops you from from you being able to advance until you fix your tire and then there are like ace cards. So like there's like a fire truck, which is the right of way. So you can't throw red lights at me. And yeah. I don't have any speed limit requirements. Uh, so that's one. Actually, our daughter has started playing that with me right yeah. now. That's another math game. Right. But that one's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so those are kind of the, you know, sort of mostly those. I guess those were two. She likes to play Uno. Okay. Um, you know, what yeah. about yourself? How do you guys do? Um. Well, I don't know poker. I don't know spades. I don't know crazy. I know war, you know, <laughs> most, you know, and that, that's about all when it comes to mm -hmm. like traditional card games. But I, mm -hmm. you know, I just never got around to learning them. And they seem like, but at the same time, they do seem like an important part of every kid's social education. Um, <laughs> not, I mean, not to mention there's something really cool about knowing that there are hundreds of games you can play with one simple deck of mm -hmm. 52 cards. You know, games that people all over the world have literally been playing for hundreds of years, you know. And so there's a part of me that wants just the educational part of that and the historical part of it is mm -hmm. fascinating to me. And I think, you know, it's it's just one of those things that, that I think she should, again, it's almost an educational part that I think is very important. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things that I had always wanted to, I just never got around to it. And so... Mm -hmm. That that's what I think is so great about being a parent. You get to revisit your own childhood yeah. in a lot of ways and mm -hmm. kind of fill in the blanks mm -hmm. with your own child. You know, there was a card game that we used to play in high school 
I can't remember exactly what the name of the card game was. It's, it's similar to War, but you'd set out, you know, you'd set the thing out, and then if it was like similar uh, numbers, then you could slap it, right? And then you, mm -hmm. you take that batch. So, but it was more than War. And, and I remember we used to play it so often and so violently that I remember <laughs> I had to tape up my cards. I literally had to put box tape on the cards because they would end up being ripped wow. as people were trying to grab the cards. I mean, yeah. it was a lot of fun. Nobody got, you know, it's. But like everybody was playing, my, my high school was tiny. There was, the graduate class was 22. So we're not, yeah. when I say everybody, it's, it's a relative yeah. term, but everybody was playing this game. And yeah, I, so, you know, when you, when you uh, effectively laminate your card deck, it becomes three times as thick as a normal <laughs> card deck. So it's a funny thing to be roaming the halls within your pocket, but it was something that every recess, every lunch, you could, mm -hmm. I mean, everybody was playing this for, I think it was like a year. It was just, mm -hmm. it was just a thing. I guess we were overtly bored or something, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, well, we hope we've been able to share some of our love with board games with you. If you'd like to support the podcast and hear more discussions around fatherhood, please subscribe and drop us a review. If you have any questions, hit us up on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash papayfatigue. That's P-A-P-A-E-S-T-F-A-T-I-G-U-E. Now I know we discussed a ton of games, so we'll be putting all the links in the show notes. Thanks for listening.